different magic. But a few times in my life, I've seen things. Things I can't explain. And I've come to believe it's not so much what you believe. It's how hard you believe it. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. It's the return one of the most iconic characters in all of film after a 38, 34 year wait, I believe, 34 year wait, uh, we are returning Indiana Jones comes back. Well done. The fourth installment of this <laughs> beloved, beloved series of films. Some people have been calling this the fifth one. I assume that's just like a typo or something. Yeah, or? I think maybe that's because of that syndicated show in the 90s. Oh, okay. Young Indiana yeah. Jones. Yeah, I think yeah. they okay. that. It's that canon. Sense. It's canon. There is one episode that, that Harrison Ford's in, so maybe that's the deal. But uh, Gotta be. Couldn't yeah. be anything else. Couldn't no be anything could... else. Yeah. He hasn't donned the fedora and grabbed the whip since 1989, at least in film. Well, at least not on right. screen, yeah. Right, gotcha. exactly. So. It's Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Harrison Ford, James Mangold stepping into the big shoes of Steven Spielberg on this one. And I'm excited to talk to you guys about it. So I'm your host, if, Brian Gill. If there's one thing Harrison Ford does well, uh-huh. it's crash land a plane. But if there are two <laughs> things that he does well, it's don that hat whip. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So he's, it's a match made in heaven. That's what we're talking about this week. I'm Brian Gill, joined as always by my co-host, Richard Barden. And Kit Garrison, fellas, I missed you last week, and then we're recording this week late. So I've been, I've been kind of, I've been getting like, you know, feel weird. I'm talking. Did you get to see Asteroid City yet, Brian? I did. I loved it. Awesome. I loved it. What were I haven't listened to the episode yet. The only, you, as no, you guys know, not. the only episodes I will ever listen you. to are the ones that I'm not involved. And in. you still didn't listen. I still <laughs> haven't listened, but I will. I will. I, I, you know, I'll get to it eventually. What was y'all? What did you give it the grade? What was the grade for both of you? We said it was uh, solid. A, it's it's right. Yeah. yeah, it's right there in the Mount Rushmore plus one of okay. of uh, okay. Anderson okay. movies. In we RPG. would say real quick before we get into Indiana Jones. I don't want to derail us, but we did mm-hmm. say, and I'm curious on your thoughts on this. And I'm serious. The one thing we thought was out of place actually was Tom Hanks. Not that he was bad. It just felt. Uh, off more than the rest. So I'm curious on your quick 20 second take on that. Yeah. I think that was my favorite Tom Hanks performance. Oh, nice. In a long Good. time. I really liked it. it, it it's it, not that he's bad in the movie. It's just something he, about it was different. Like it felt something like about movie. like some people fit sure. so well Steve in the West Carell Anderson folded movie. Yes. in perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Jeffrey Wright, right? It's like yeah. not even a thought. He just felt like it. Oh, this is I totally weird. understand what you guys are saying, and yeah. for whatever reason, I liked that Good. more. Cool. Like I said that to Lindsay when we were uh, coming out of the movie, I was like, I he yeah, did not fit seamlessly the way that that typically you you get with every other actor and character in an Anderson movie. But but for some reason, that really. That made it jump off the the screen a little bit. I thought it was a great performance from him. But yeah, I loved it. I had a great time with it. And that might be his warmest movie. Like it had, like I, I was, it was affecting more than most. You just, I love Wes Anderson movies. Certain parts of it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you're not. Uh, you're not allowed to take about photos that during the movie, Brian. By the way, <laughs> again. That. Well, that's just your opinion. Um, yeah, I thought this was America. You can as long as no one tells you to stop. Yeah. You know, right? Um, cool. 
Yeah. Dude, that's the, that's the way. Don't ask, don't tell. Got it. You're talking about yeah. Steve Carell. Um, yes. the thank you because we love Steve Carell. Yes, I enjoyed Asteroid City quite a bit. So thanks for thanks for carrying on without me last week, boys. I'm gonna miss not next week, but the week after too. So that's a real bummer. I was here for the Flash, but I'll miss Asteroid City and Mission Impossible. So super sucks. I got to schedule my uh, camps and vacations a little better next time around. Um, let's talk Indiana Jones. Uh, Richard and I did a throwback episode on the original trilogy. With our good buddy Batman Shane uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we we talked about uh, talked about Raiders, we talked about Temple, we talked about Last Crusade. Kent, we've never talked. You and I uh, will ignore Richard for a moment. We even talked Crystal Skull, by the way. Oh, what's that? I don't the <laughs> vodka brand from Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. There we yeah. go. Yeah, I, I, so I, I bring that up a lot. I have a sponsorship <laughs> deal with them, so I just continue. I to vaguely, vaguely remember that on the podcast. Um, Kent, I don't think I've ever talked to you about Indiana Jones. Where do what what kind of a place does this series hold in your movie heart? And what's what's a little bit of the give us give us a taste of the background yeah. uh, on Indiana Jones for you? This series, this character of Indiana Jones, fits right in there among the most influential movies of mm-hmm. my lifetime. I mean, top four. Um, yeah. the, one of the first movies I ever remember seeing was Temple of Doom actually was the first okay. one I saw. Sure. And I s- vividly remember that guy pulling that heart out and that thing <laughs> catching on fire and my mind just melting. Mm-hmm. I don't know how old I was five. I don't, I still remember it where I was when I saw it and it just was like, wow, this is incredible. And then obviously had my parents rent or saw Raiders of the Lost Ark, which had the big boulder scene. I was like, oh my gosh, this is this <laughs> is the most amazing thing. And then like when you like Star Wars and Indiana Jones and you find out like, I don't know, a few years later in your childhood, it's like those were made by this, the same guys and Pete, what? And you just, you can't believe it. Sure. sure. I just owe so much to that time uh, in Lucas and Spielberg's career mm-hmm. uh, on what I like and uh, stuff like that. So what an incredible uh, character that is just so inventive. I don't know if mm-hmm. the the listener knows the background of the origin of the character, but Spielberg wanted to make a bond movie. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of right around after jaws. And uh, I think 1941 had flopped and he's like, you know what? I want to do something like easy bond movie. Yeah. Right. And Lucas is like, I got something better for you. I had this, this character who's an archeologist he goes and searches for antiquities. And I think Spielberg was like, say no more. I'm in, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And the original casting was Tom Selleck, but he couldn't do it because of Magnum P.I. And I'm yeah. always wondering if this would be as successful with Tom Selleck. I think so. But Harrison Ford brings, uh, obviously, the Harrison Fordness to it. It's just so incredible that he has those two iconic characters to his name from that time. But- what an awesome series. I love any series where you can use the old map with the red line yeah, montage yeah. and it doesn't feel out of place. Yeah. Like I love right. a, play, a a movie that can feel like a movie. And these have just such a commitment to uh, the realism, the authenticity, even with this one, which we'll talk about. I have qualms with it. I have praise for it. But what the things I liked the most about it was this felt like a like they were actually shooting a movie on a set with people with cars and stunts and and all of that kind of stuff and 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lost yeah. art. And this sure. feels like a return to form in some ways to that and a nod to that. But I mean, that first the tri- that trilogy, I rewatched it yeah. before this. It is, it might be, I, I might have to put it up there as like, you know, a top three trilogy in, in my uh, sure. estimation. Yeah. It's that good. It's, it's just perfect. So love it. Love it. Just quintessential Hollywood. You could fit in any really decade. You release mm. it in the 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s or 70s or 80s. It would be successful in all of them. It's just a, sure. truly amazing. So love this, love this, and was very much looking forward to mm-hmm. the conclusion of it. Yeah, I think so. I think that's fair to say. Um, okay. Yeah, love that. That's great. Richard, I, just a, again, you and I talked about this uh, at length on on uh, the VIP, which you can you can access. You can be a part of madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. But for those that, that didn't hear that, so give me the give me the quick version of of your background on on indie and and your anticipation for uh, or yeah. lack thereof. I don't know for for this movie. Weird. I had only ever seen Crystal Skull and I was not aware <laughs> of any previous trilogy until that. Loved it. it was mm-hmm. my favorite movie of 2008. Obviously, right. Mm-hmm. No, um, don't remember. Never saw any of these in theaters or anything before my time. Was very aware of like the mythos of them. Saw bits of them and was aware of a lot of them for you know my entire childhood. But I don't for some reason was not ever a VHS that I had. Mm. Um, and so like had seen them and then like purposefully when DVDs became a thing in like adolescence, really Mm -hmm. like probably. 14 was like, oh, I need to see. I don't think I've ever seen the Indiana Jones movie. Sure. So, you know, so let me hammer through those. And then, like, had seen 70% of them out of sequence in weird mm-hmm. ways. Right. And, like, yeah, same. Piece it all together through that. And yep. then it was like, oh, yeah, these are okay, cool. Done. Sure. I was like, two, and, one, but, three. I mean, rewatched them. Yeah. Yeah. Was the order I saw them in. Sure. Yeah. We talked about that a bit too. I think Shane may be the same as you, Kent. Um, mm. Yeah. So, like, knew I would like them. A lot, but unlike most things, did not discover discover it like in childhood, childhood. It was kind okay. of what I do a lot now with bands where it's like, you know, I'm sure. probably going to really like Tom Petty. So in 2025, <laughs> right. I'm going right. to listen to nothing but Tom Petty. That might, Indiana mm-hmm. Jones might have been the first thing I ever kind of consciously did that with. Nice. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. For me, and again, we talk about this on our pod, but the, Last Crusade is the first movie that I remember seeing in theaters. And oh, wow. So that was like a huge deal for me that my parents took me to see this movie. I I remember at least vaguely where the theater was and being there. And then, and then within a month I saw Batman, my dad took me to see Batman. So that was a huge, I mean, huge time in my life at six years old is seeing this movie and, Mm -hmm. or seeing last crusade. And then, and then Batman, um, I definitely saw Raiders last because Temple of Doom was on TBS or TNT or one of those all the time. Maybe that's how uh, I saw uh, it. I don't even know. I just yeah. remember seeing that heart come out of. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. The the dinner scene is the one that really creeped me out more than anything. Like when they he cuts open the snake and there's all the baby snakes and the when the heart the sets on fire as the guy goes yeah, into the hardcore. fire. I was like, yeah. what is happening? <laughs> What's happening? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty wild. Um, but yeah, it, seeing Last Crusade and I, I said this on the pod. And this is the last time I'll reference that. But on our VIP, I said you know. I I think I believed that um there there must have been 10 Indiana Jones movies before Raiders because right. Raiders is such a perfect film and the introduction to that character is so simple and 
So simple. Uh, it feels like episode 10 of like a HBO yes, series, doesn't it? You, it? It is that, even if you were some weirdo who like hates the Indiana Jones movies, you could teach character introduction, it, like a master class in character introduction with, with Raiders of the Lost Ark, the way that Indy comes in and within five minutes, you know everything you need to know about him. And uh, it's it's a seamless, it's a perfect, perfect film. Um, so I love this series. Uh, we've been looking forward to this movie for, for quite a while. I don't remember anymore when it was announced as a greenlit. It was originally greenlit as a Spielberg movie and then eventually got handed over to to Mangold um, because Spielberg just had too many projects that were stacking up. And then we had the COVID delay. Um, we've had, this has been a long time coming, I guess. So uh, Kent, I'll go to you first. Give me your general thoughts on Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Was so much looking forward to this, fellas, mm-hmm. and there is so much to like. You're a about big this. Jez Butterworth guy, so this was Phoebe Waller Bridge, right? Just yeah. flea bag uh-huh. every morning as I wake up to start my day. Uh-huh. It explains a lot about me, actually. <laughs> I was so looking forward to this, and I don't know. I guess to summarize general thoughts, I was really, really into it the first act. Mm-hmm. Fell off in the second, pretty bad. I was like, "Oh no!" And then it really won me over in the third act. Sure. So, okay, uh, that's kind of where I fell on in, in, in general terms. Uh, I've got a bunch of notes, but I'm curious as to why Spielberg left the project. I'm always skeptical of a movie that is made just to make money, right? And I don't think that's mm. the case for this one. I think the reason this movie was made was to make up for the last one mm. and to give Harrison Ford a proper send off because they have the IP and why not? Right. And sure. it'll make money also. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was the true intention of the artists at hand here, right? Writers, um, producers, Kathy mm-hmm. Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And so I felt that with this, I didn't yeah. feel you know how many callbacks they could have done in this thing? Sure. <laughs> how many characters could have popped up? And I was like, oh, remember this thing? And there were, of course, Easter eggs or whatever, but it did not beat you over the head with it. Mm-hmm. Um, my one qu- kind of qualm with it is what I love about the original series is that each uh, MacGuffin in the movie, whether it's the, uh, you know, the Holy Grail or the, the Ark of the Covenant, or, or whatever, the Crystal Skull, right? They're all based on reality. They're all mm-hmm. actual, we think, pieces of antiquities, right? Sure. Uh, this Archimedes thing, to my knowledge, wasn't wasn't uh, an actual item. So a little lost a little bit for me on okay. that front. But what they started out with, which was the Spear of Destiny, which is the first sequence in the train. Sure. The Spear of Destiny being the spear mm. that supposedly pierced Jesus's side right. at the crucifixion, mm. which is, uh, you know, obviously mentioned multiple times and has, hasn't been located, all this kind of stuff. I was like, man, that, I don't know, maybe I would have been in more, more on that. I don't know why they had to do time travel, but I kind of did at the end and I was in on it. So yeah. It yeah. was like the execution was really good, but like I don't know if the intention was the best. And sure. 
maybe they're like, ah, oh, this really will help set it up for future movies if we want to do more, if we have this element. And I understand that part, but there's a little, like a 2% multiverse fatigue with this movie. And I sure. did not want that at all with this. So that, mm-hmm. that was a little bit of a qualm, but man, James Mangold, I saw a tweet after I left this movie and I can't stop thinking about it. And I want your guys' opinion. It said, James Mangold doesn't have a fun bone in his body. And I, w- I was thinking about that. I was like, hmm. is that true? Because would this have been a more fun movie with Spielberg at the helm? Same script. Because I think like in the, in the inherent energy of Spielberg's direction, it's fun. The jokes land, right? Mm-hmm. Everything, mm-hmm. The, the physical gags work. Um, I'm not to say this is, isn't well made. I'm just wondering if it would have been a more fun energy with Spielberg. Yeah, that's a, I hadn't thought of it that way, but that is an interesting, it's an interesting way. And to, I was trying to, to think uh, of his old, older movies. That. I'm like, four Ferrari's yeah. pretty fun, but is it that fun? I was trying to think, you know? I mean, you could probably make a case that Ford v Ferrari, that the fun and certainly that the humor in that movie is, turning Matt Damon and Christian Bale loose, both of whom are Matt Damon. We know as one of the, the funnier guys in the business right now. And I think Christian Bale, if you don't know that you're, you've maybe kind of missed out because he's really, really quick and witty and, and a funny guy um, when he's not on the set of Terminator salvation or whatever, but yeah. just an interesting thought. Let's uh, let's circle back to that in a second. Um, sure. RB, I'll go last on general thoughts and such. What, uh, What's the vibe for you? How do you how do you feel this hit the anticipation or not? And what you know, give us your general thoughts on Dial of Destiny before we get into spoilers and stuff. Yeah, I mean it's it's a weird uh, place to put yourself in time because you're living in a world that is simultaneously 2023 where you're seeing the movie and the 40s and the 60s and the last Indiana Jones and the 80s when the other Indiana Jones coming out. And I mean all that because these all connote certain times in your life, right? And and then times in history, you have you have the Nazi stuff. You have um, this movie, obviously, is in, a lot of it's in the '60s, um, late '60s. But you also you can't help but be reminded of the '80s with when these were huge and the, the biggest, you know, probably uh, pop culture thing, um, other than when Star Wars dipped into the '80s a bit, um, going, you know. Um, you think of when they tried to do this 15 years ago or whenever that was, you know? So it's like, it's a weird, I don't mean to be not trying to go like, uh, I know this isn't, uh, Joe Rogan's on the next episode on the pirates episode. (laughs) I'm not trying to get too trippy with it, but it was this odd in my brain, this odd experience of time and, and, and where I am watching this. Mm. So you're watching it all through that prism of these things and not to be crass, but like, it's also an actor, a lead actor who's 80. Sure. Right. Yeah. And so you're thinking about his entire career. You're thinking of, of what this means. Is this his kind of final lap around? He's also de-aged in parts of it. So you can't help think about, I don't know. The whole time right. I'm just thinking about right. time. What does time mean? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. weird moment in an Indiana <laughs> Jones movie, in this tiny movie theater. Okay. So that is my overall think of like, this is such an interesting study in mm-hmm. kind of what pop culture can mean across a hundred years, you know? Yeah. Okay. Um, because of that, it's like, it took me a bit to get into the movie because I'm mm. like thinking about that a lot during it. Maybe that's just my own weird scatterbrain and stuff. 
I don't, I don't hold that against the movie at all. I'm not sure. saying it's slow rolling. I just mean that's, and then you kind of get into it and you're right, Kent, there's, there's, this is definitely a very good version of what is all often most of the time, a very bad thing where you go, Oh man, I bet there was minimum of 11 writers of this thing. Mm. <laughs> you know, when you're mm. doing those swings throughout it, you're like, that was a cool four minutes. That was a mediocre four minutes. That was a great four minutes. That sucked. You know, you're doing that mm-hmm. the whole, for a sure. while. It had sure. a little bit of that. Definitely a lot of rewrite-itis um, yeah. for sure. I I love Mangold for what maybe he lacks in fun for whatever that is. Um, I get that with some of the Wolverine things. But, I, you know, Ford versus Ferguson, I, I didn't find this lacking in, in fun. I thought the intensity... Um, worked because the character, you know, it's hard to have a lot of fun when you're 80. It mm. just is <laughs> for me. Yeah. I mean, I get that. It's like, it's, he's not going to be as, um, you know, swaggery or, or, sure. or swashbuckling, you know, at, mm-hmm. at that, that's, that's no one's fault. So, but you're right. There's things with the script that are less fun. You know, you have the, the death off screen and things like that, which we can talk about. But yeah, I, I I actually found it pretty tonally right for the actor, the character, all of that. It ended up coming out of it really kind of digging it, even though there were, you know, if you were to add them together, 30 minutes of time in there that were probably not great, not all, not nothing mm-hmm. Crystal Scully, but like, uh, this is fine. But then the stuff that worked for me really worked and I ended up going, oh, I don't want any more of these. But sure. that didn't ruin the first three at all for me. It was like kind of a cool, you know, they had a years ago. I remember playing it for some reason. I don't know why I own this, but because you guys know this is not me at all. What I'm about to say, mm. they had a Lego Indiana Jones video game. My mm-hmm. favorite, uh, favorite Game Boy game. It's like the only Game Boy game I ever played consistently oh, okay. was that Lego Indiana Jones. It's so good. See, I, I played on Xbox. Oh, nice. And. For whatever reason, and and it has, it's definitely. I mean, it takes you to the plot of the movies, but it has some kind of like almost side things to it. Sure. And this felt with that it was like, okay, cool. This is a good annex of this world. It doesn't ruin the first three, whereas I think the the fourth one does. Um, with just you know, we've talked about it, like you know the the aliens being involved and things. It kind of mm-hmm. ruins the logic of the universe in some ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is the biggest? Not that it's a bad movie, it is, but that's not what people I think are offended by about sure. it. It's yes. that it's yeah. like it changes the algebra of what Indiana Jones is. Uh, this kind of still pushes up against that wall, but also in a more totally correct Indiana Jones way. So I came out liking it. So sorry, very long winded, but that's my. No, that's great. That's a lot of really good stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I I'm with you guys. I the I really dug the first act. Um, the second act dragged and it, and it kind of, I don't know that I got necessarily overly worried because we started, we started strong enough to where it felt like as long as it's just, isn't just a complete disaster down the stretch, I'm going to, I'm going to be fine with it. You know, I'm going to come out feeling like, all right, we closed that chapter and it was cool. And I loved seeing him on screen and, and again, in that, that role. And that's great. But the second act definitely has some dips and I think just kind of gets a little bit muddled. And to your point, Richard, it it definitely felt like uh, this thing's been rewritten so many times that like uh, we got to get this scene in here or 
or more like, hey, I looked at your screen at, at the script you sent me. I did not like anything in this act, but hey, I the it was cool when we were on a boat in the ocean. So let's keep that and let's let's add in this and let's make sure you know all this kind of stuff. It it just was a little bit it was a little bit muddled and 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 I think that um, I like Phoebe Waller Bridge. I ultimately liked her character. Her character in the second act was kind of a little bit difficult. The dialogue in the second act is what killed me. It wasn't the yeah the plotting yeah. or anything. It was like, man, this they're really struggling to come up with. I agree. Some with that. some funny one liners yeah. and all that. All the stuff you want a second act to carry mm-hmm. the momentum. It did not for me yeah. on a scripting standpoint. For sure, I can see that. But it clo- the third act I loved, and it it it. I thought it closed it very well, just not just with the character. It closed the movie and the series well, I guess is what I what I'm trying to say. And Richard, I think you're right too that the something that I was impressed with was that the to me at least, they kind of found the right chord on showing Indiana Jones to be a very old person at this point without it becoming like a Clint Eastwood, you know, like I think of like trouble with the curve with him, it opens with him talking to his junk because he can't pee, you know, and just grunting all the time and stuff. And I I've think that they podcast, did. the podcast like that a few times. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Who among us, you know? But uh, but I, I thought it Richie, did a good you're job. Thirty six, dude. <laughs> yeah, you need to see some help, my man. Um, nah, just old age comes for us all. <laughs> He's undefeated, you know, Father Time. Um, no, it it was. I think it struck the right balance, at least for me, on showing that this is an old person at this point and an old character, but without it just being like a constant, we get it, you're old, you know? And uh, that was something that I was nervous about coming in. So to avoid that, I thought was pretty great. To let him be, to let that character have like some real, some grief and some guilt and some kind of retrospective, you know, and, and thinking back on his life, that's not part of any of these movies really up to this point, but it fits here and it's, it's right. I think for an 80 year old adventurer to be facing his, you know, his mortality and whatnot. Um, so I, I, I quite liked that, but yeah, the, the end, the end worked for me so much better than I was. I was a little nervous. Kent, as you mentioned, when they, when you see where it's going. Yeah. Yeah. When it becomes clear, we're going to go back in time. Um, I was I was very nervous at that point. I was like, "Oh, guys, please don't, please land this plane, as it were." Because um, I that that makes me that good makes thing me Harrison nervous. Ford wasn't driving it in, exactly. In it's like exactly. you knew, yeah. <laughs> but I think overall, it kind of uh, it it there's there's moments that kind of walk the line of as it were. Sorry, I didn't mean that mangled. Uh, but oh. the, as heyo got him Yahtzee, uh, the unintentional Yahtzee. Those are rare, but the. I think it walked up to that line at, at points of we're kind of going over, we're jumping the shark, we're going a little too far with this, and but ultimately brought it back. And then I think that the close is pretty great, actually. So it sold me on a movie that I really enjoyed and was going to probably was was likely to really enjoy regardless. Um, went from hey, I'm having a good time with this, and this is a fitting end to this character that I really like uh, and this series that I really like. From that to actually, I I I really liked this. I really loved where where we ended up with this thing, and um, really, that's that's probably all 
all you can ask for um, at this point. There wasn't a world where this was going to be uh, Last Crusade or, or Raiders of the Lost Ark or whatever, because these are we're talking about two of the greatest movies of the decade, if not all time. And so that's a standard that was very, very unlikely to be met, you know. So for it to do what it did and come out strong, I feel like at the end, I'm satisfied with that and I'm happy with where with where we ended up. Um I think probably you should just say, hey, spoilers from here on out, just just in yeah, case they come right. up in conversation. Kent, you said you got a bunch of notes. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to sure. you, man. What what comes out? What do you want to talk about here? First thing I want to ask you guys about was the de aging. What'd you guys think of it? Thought it was about as good as it's gonna as yeah. as it gets right now. We're still this still isn't perfect technology. Yeah, we're still. It in looked the CGI incredible. Nineteen ninety nine of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I thought it looked incredible when he was not talking. When he started talking, that's when I feel like you can start to see the difference, and that yep. this isn't you know this is CGI. Question for you: Did that have to do with the voice? Because it didn't seem like they changed the voice at all. It feels like they should have maybe pitched it up like point oh one mm. semitones or whatever. Just to kind of match the younger sounding voice. It sounded like it was just he did ADR and that was it. Or he acted on set and that was it. And they replaced the face and and didn't do anything else. Maybe that could have helped. Have You you know that kind of in the video, digital video world, the the rule is always like your video can look like crap as long as it sounds good. Mm. You know? Because people can get over bad sound if they can have visual, you know, bad visuals if they have good sound to go with it. But if your video looks great, but sounds like crap, it's going to change people's perception way more than the opposite. Mm. So maybe that was why it didn't uh, sell me as hard as I expected it to was because of the voice. Maybe, maybe it's like a subconscious thing there. But I thought that scene, I mean, the opening sequence when they pull the bag over the head and it's and it's him and all that dark, really harsh, intentional lighting, like that looked incredible. I couldn't believe mm-hmm. that they were able to make that look so flawless with like headlights shining in his face and all these different things happening around him. Usually when you see that effect made, it's like a very controlled environment or, you know, a bright room and you got to do it in a certain way. This seems like, mm-hmm. okay, anything's possible now. And the reason they were able to do it with with Harrison Ford the way they did was because Lucasfilm has a huge archive of footage of him from Star Wars and Indiana Jones and all the stuff they didn't use in those movies, all the nice auditions, you know. And so they just go through and digitally scan all of that stuff in as high as resolution as possible. And pretty much they have every lighting scenario already covered. And the computer does the rest of the work, right? It's mm. uh, it's an incredible thing now. But it opens up that huge question of like, would you rather this been a whole movie of young Indiana Jones again, right? Like, uh, mm. just do it like Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, part two or like the next day kind of a thing. That would have been interesting. I don't know. Uh, this does give him a send off in, in a proper way. But like, it opens the question up of... Like, okay, once you have the audio source, right? Mm. And once you have mm. the video data, all you kind of need is a guy that has the body shape and you can kind of do do anything, you know, living or past, you know, as long as you have the sure. data to do it. Um, so I'm, I'm sure it's, you know, we're opening, just beginning to open up Pandora's box of what is possible with this right. deep fake right. technology where don't be surprised if you see a, uh, you know, a Heath Ledger movie. 
come out mm-hmm. and he's in it, you know, or something like that because they have the data to, to do it. And yeah. that is scary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think that there's still, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, Richard. Um, but the, there's still, it's still an uncanny Valley thing to me. Like it doesn't, it's I'm like an fine. Filter. To, yeah. I'm fine to deal with it for a part of the movie, especially, especially when I understand that it is necessary for the narrative of the movie, you know, for the script to work, here's what we're going to do. You can sell me on that. I, I mean, at least at this point, I'm not, I'm not doing a whole movie. If the whole bit of the movie, the whole genesis of the movie is, you know, young Lawrence of Olivier or something, you know, I'm not real into that. Like I just, I, I can handle it for a few minutes here and there as, part of this this bigger movie that we're selling but it's it's that's a tough selling point to me um at this point i i don't know if you have any thoughts on on the the technology or not richard yeah i mean i couple things on this on that how they used it i'm not a huge fan of it in general but i I do like one the amount they used it was at least i mean maybe a little less would have been fine but it's not it wasn't uh wasn't egregious but i also like they led with it Okay, cool. Boom, boom, mm-hmm, boom. Mm-hmm. We got this. We got this. Okay, cool. And that way you don't have the like as much going back and forth where you have that juxtaposition really obviously. It's like, cool, we're going to do this for 11 minutes and then we're back in, you know, the 60s and he's old. I don't know. I like that more. Sure. Sure. Okay. It's a good way to do yeah. it. If you're, But yeah, it's still not there yet to me. Uh, next thing I had here... Um I was trying really hard not to really hard to ignore the fact that like I've seen the Mythbusters where they debunk the Archimedes death ray like multiple times and it's a big <laughs> big part of this movie like he's teaching it in class and goes and sees it in the you know at the end of the movie and so I was like okay like we I don't know <laughs> could you thought of something else that maybe like we don't all know is BS that would be that would be preferred and the in the like, I was wondering like, what's gonna make Indiana Jones go back to his old ways? Like, what's gonna be the the spur, right? That that makes him, like mm. makes him put the hat back on again, right? And I, in the movie, Phoebe Waller Bridge says, "Why should I go? So I can get famous, and you can have one last ride." Mm. And and then I was waiting for like a punchline the other way. And it never mm-hmm. happened. So I think that's why. That's why he's like, one last ride. Do you, do you not know who you're talking to? Do you know what I've <laughs> done in the past? I'm done. You know, like mm-hmm. it, uh, that. So the it's like the whole motivation for getting back out there seemed kind of like lame. Okay. I thought it was going to be much more like he finds out something about Marion or short round or something. You know, yeah. and it's like, oh, now I have to go save somebody that I care about or i have to go my father or something you know yeah it's kind of i think i actually like this better because they didn't do a uh big moment of him putting the hat back and he's really against his will gets thrown into the mix here you know because it's all right i'll help you find this I'll, i'll give you the dial because i know where it is and you know i'll hand that off to you but then before he can really decide whether he's in or out on an adventure, they're getting attacked in the library. And then he's, you know, racing a horse during the middle of the parade, which I thought was a pretty cool scene. And 
uh, and you're just, you're kind of in it at that point and mm-hmm. he doesn't really have a choice to get in or out. Um, so I, I dug that. That is and, true. Yeah. And it's, true. it's almost, it, it's only, I also thought the other way we could end up going was that he would be, he would just feel like overly protective of his goddaughter or whatever. And he is, I, but again, it was a place where I felt like it kind of struck the right chord of he is protective of this girl, but, uh, it, he's almost like, he's just mad at her half the time, you know, and just kind of, a, I don't know if ashamed is the right word, but just kind of giving her crap for her life choices and whatnot. So they didn't, they didn't hit that too hard either, which I felt like was the right note. It just gives you these moments where he feels some guilt about this, but then also he's dealing with the guilt of the death of his son. And so he, he kind of touches into it a bit here and there, but it's not a, it's not the, it's not a major part of the, it's like, it's not like melodrama, you know, through the course of the movie. And I thought that I liked that too. So, um, yeah, I kind of dig the, the, the reason for him. It's not even a reason the way that he gets drawn into all this. I thought it worked. It worked for me at least. What did you think of them not having a romantic lead opposite Indy in this one? Cause that seems to be something that really carries energy in the first three, they they have this palpable like romanticism to them, almost like mm. this Hitchcockian romance aspect. And this one didn't have that. And they you know they they they're like okay, we need him to be with two people, and one of them needs to be a kid. They got that right, right? <laughs> uh, so mm. I, I I wondered like well, how much a difference would have have made if there had been like this, I don't know, kind of budding relationship uh, along the lines because i mean this yeah marion was important to him but like kate capshaw's in the next movie right or the movie i guess prequel movie right Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so it's not like that's the only woman in his life that we know he had i don't know feelings for or whatever but that was a that was just a noticeable difference from the first few was the lack of like a a true romantic uh, lead opposite that that's just a trope that I thought these movies did well. To me, that was just a an example of like, hey, this guy, we have to change the character because he's he's very old. Like this is an old guy who, <laughs> and he's he's still not that. I mean, Harrison Ford is still a great looking guy, um, but the I think that it it brings it I, when we get to the end and we have this moment with her. I, I, that's a I would rather have that moment and not have him yeah. romantically engaged with somebody than the other way around. For this movie, yeah, but not like if Marion thing had not happened, I'm wondering okay. if that yeah, would, that's been, fair. Yeah. would have been better. Yeah, yeah it's sure. always a little convoluted with, with his kind of personal romantic allegiances, you know, which is one thing I think that Crystal Skull kind of does in a humorous way mm. um, because of the, the surprise of that executed sure. terribly but uh <laughs> yeah i mean there's there's uh but yeah it's always kind of movie to movie and then they have to kind of cobble together this well no he's this you know he has these long-standing relationships across again time uh-huh. and it's it can it's just a hard without uh you know what you know what i just fixed it harrison or uh, pardon me indiana jones multiverse <laughs> done okay yeah. all right that's yeah. why i so feel like this you, one it's all marion you laugh one, but all... like i feel like that's what the time travel was opening up i feel like <laughs> i mean not a good spoiler really but he pulls puts the hat back on at the end of the movie so yep. 
Always does. He might have talked to Kathy and be like, you want to make more of these? Go for it. I'll be in Montana. <laughs> Use my likeness, whatever you need to do. I'll be at the premiere. I'll promote it, whatever you I need think to Kath, do. After this opening, I don't think Miss yeah, Kennedy's yeah, going to yeah. be making those decisions much yeah, longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Maybe Kathy. Tough. Yeah. I think I would say this is in, yeah. That box office, there's a lot of studios that are going to be learning some lessons, I hope, from yeah. this uh why do you think summer, why do you rough. think that is? Why do you okay, how how much should it have made for it to be a success opening week? Well, first million? off, it can't it can't cost 300 million. Yeah. is the bigger yeah. problem. Okay. Well, so, the reason was because they shot yeah. it, you know? I mean, it's like yeah. you can't have it both ways. You can either shoot it and make it look like you want it and cost a yeah. lot or I just co- don't, spend I spend 100 million and it's going to be a CG fest, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's and that the, there's some COVID delays in there, and there's mm-hmm. um, some things, but there's a lot of fat in that budget for yeah um, a lot of things. So I think that is is uh, the biggest thing that it's just like it's set up to fail. Sure. Um, anything at three hundred million is is just <laughs> it's just in this world it's just tough, you know. When there's only mm-hmm. you know unless it's 99% coming in, all the buzz is unbelievable, and it's a character that we're so excited to see or whatever. Um, it's gonna be tough to do at that budget. But yeah. I yeah, that's that's but that's where you put that that's where I think Mr. Iger comes in and says, All right, Lucasfilm, what what why was this I need right. to, I want it itemized. Like, why was this yeah. if this was 180 million, okay, we're good. Sure. Yeah. Make 60, yeah. we made 130 international we got a couple weeks to make up the difference all right we're fine we're gonna this thing's gonna top out at 500 million cool you know right right but when this is 300 and it's got to double that to make it all you know it's just like all right yeah well i yeah, I, I don't think for sure i honestly don't think the the thinking was i mean the last one made a billion dollars and it was terrible yeah you know and, and again yeah, it's not 2004 world. yeah right I mean, but at the right. same time proof is in the pudding that like even in 2000 even 25 years after the last one or whatever it was, people still cared about yeah. Harrison Ford. And, and sure. he's still, you know, like, like I, I don't know. Didn't I say that a few weeks ago that like he is still in like the top he's, five, uh, most, most, uh, no, yeah. just most like loved movie stars in the world. Sure. Yeah. And that's why it right. made 60 million. Otherwise yeah. it would have made 11. Yeah. Like that's where we are now. Yeah. So like that, Totally, that's fair, and he deserved his whatever money he made on it. But like, it well, unless it was like one hundred and fifty million, but, <laughs> which you know, none of us are going to begrudge him for that. But like, yeah, that's the thing is for sure he is. But but that and it's a very older skewing property. I mean, we're even seeing that with like talk about that with Mission Impossible. You know, that's a really older mm-hmm. audience, surprisingly, and you know that's gonna do well. But like the last one, the over under on it right now in Vegas is like a hundred million. The last Mission Impossible made ninety, yeah, and it's not Top Gun. It's not something people now. Right. There will be a Top right. Gun boost because people, a lot of people right. went and saw Top Gun and were like, you know who's awesome, Tom Cruise, right? And we'll go see this, and maybe it may go over on the hundred, but it's not going to do two hundred opening weekend, and you know, but it's it costs like a hundred with all that stuff, all that Tom Cruisey stuff. It was like $111 million less than this movie. That's but the difference great. is this is, it's all period. You no, know, I know. It's like, it's like Definitely. 25 locations and it's all period. Right. You're, but you're, then you just, you can't green light that post yeah. like 2016. Yep. 
Like that's yep. the thing. You just go, well, go write it again. And yeah. Make it to where I can make it for 190 million. God forbid I make it for, for sure. 200 million. <laughs> I'm willing to yeah. bet like the delays cost them a hundred million dollars. Yeah, a to- hundred. For sure. That's totally yeah. fair. And I, I write yeah. that in. I think that's fine. Like, yeah, that's not right. their fault, but you got away from them a little bit and you can, that, that is what it is. But the, and there are some outside factors too. I, Opening at can was a huge mistake. Oh, I, I, I still don't understand. Because this is probably oh, 84 man. on Rotten Tomatoes or something without that, right? Yeah, closer Which, to or, at least. Yeah. Or at least uh, like whatever yeah. the emotional right, right. Uh, equation of that is. Like it yeah. comes in with that kind of buzz. Yeah. But that killed. I mean, and, and for whatever reason, because like we talk all the time about stuff here that we are aware of that doesn't permeate yes. like that's my the, biggest the question average viewers yeah. like my biggest our question. moms don't know everyone in my life whatever. wanted yeah. to see this uh, you know well yeah <laughs> it's so see, I, I, obviously I think for me for me the issue was i i feel like the the poor opening it can for whatever reason that kind of permeated into the yeah. broader culture and people thought oh this is a bust and the, with the last one being exactly. as poorly received as it was i think a lot of people just said okay well this is suck this sucks so i'm not even going to bother going to see it that's that's that was a mistake yeah. opening it where they did the other thing too is just there are so many movies out right now and that's i mean we're getting a little bit of the backlog from covid i think this is probably the last summer where we're kind of catching up through the course of this year with those movies that were pushed last year or, you know, even the year before. Like if you look at the overall box office of this weekend, it wasn't bad when you when you look at the yeah. whole. Like sure. every, you know, top ten and eight, that's a lot of money that, that went out. It just it spread out over it, maybe not ten movies, but over six or eight movies. And that's that's something that they're gonna have to that I think has to go into the the, the algorithm too, Richard, when you're when you're talking about the budget on these things, because I'm 100% with you, I think the number one thing is we have to stop spending so much money to make mm-hmm. these movies. And I understand the economy's rough and inflation and all that kind of crap, but like, uh, hey, Harrison Ford, you're totally right. Harrison Ford, you're going to make your money. Anyone else who's not like one of these people, you make less than you did on the last movie. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. And also, hey, the movie is an hour and 50 minutes, not two hours and yeah. 30 minutes. Like, this is... We got to get yeah, this stuff. That cut worries down. me on MI too. Like, it's exciting. Yeah. I and mean, that's getting good buzz. Right. And it's part one too. And it's, it's like, part one. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, this has got to be part of the crazy math. Cliff is, for sure. is to look at oh, yeah. it and say how many how many weeks is this gonna gonna crush at the box office? Is it one week? Is it two weeks? Is it three weeks? Because there's so many movies coming out every weekend right now, and so I think they're just kind. Of, it's like a little bit of cannibalism going on um, amongst amongst all of these you know and, and obviously like studios competing that's that's you know that goes back to the invention of film you know but um it's it's been kind of a stacked summer and i think that has that is partially that's definitely hurt the each of these movies like overall draw Walt disney has three um, movies out right now you for know, sure in there yeah. yeah and they got haunted mansion coming in a couple of weeks and so you know i mean barbie and oppenheimer we joked about it a million times about how neither one of them moved off of that weekend um, that does not happen most of the time. It's just that I think this this year is so jammed with movies that uh, have been delayed. Very smartly, that, both. You know, they made a meme of it. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, made it a yes. thing like this yes. is go see these together. It's the ultimate movie weekend. Blah blah blah. Right, right, right. 
which is yeah. I think very smart on both parts. I'm so sure. so I I mean I think Barbie's gonna kill. Yeah, I think yeah, that's I a think movie that everyone in my life is talking to me about. Like everyone, you don't have um, a lot of uh, friends with like young daughters, do you? Because <laughs> mine, I, my uh, nieces and nephew, my nieces are uh, crushed that they might not be able to see it because of the uh, oh, because they're PG thirteen. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's it is hard to it is hard to explain that to a kid. Like, it is it's no that is not the Barbie It's movie not even the same as like Batman. You understand when I was a someday? Kid. It's completely different. It's it's yeah. What? Like it's not. Hey, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are going to say "damn" a few times in this movie, and we got to talk about no. that with our kid. It's yeah. This is fully not. It's not what you think it is at all. It is not for yeah. For it's kids. a satirical yeah. look on like, consumer <laughs> yeah, yeah. culture, right? Right. Yeah. And if there's anything six year olds understand, it's satire. It's so, I know. Uh, no, that might be poor, but I just. Every adult I know is so excited yes. for that. Oppenheimer is that thing of like, yeah, it I'm could nervous. make yeah. forty million right. and be like, oh my god, this flopped, <laughs> or make you know one ninety, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I, I think it all depends. I, I mean, on the buzz I lean more towards on forty than one ninety. I, do I don't think it's gonna yeah. like totally crush. It'll probably be somewhere in the middle. But like, I, yeah. the, it is like I, yeah, it's one of those that that one feels like if it if it debuts at Rotten Tomatoes like over eighty five percent, it's gonna make a ton. That's the but thing. if it's like Hovering yes. on sixty, it's like, oh no, it'll probably yeah. make fifty million. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because people aren't going to sit through three hours to see like a, you know, debatably good movie, but they will sure. if it's like, no, this is this is a, you know Titanic. And what's so funny will will be the people that buy into the meme of the Barbie v Oppenheimer and they go see Barbie first, and they mm-hmm. just have heard of Oppenheimer and they just go see it and it's just like. We did what? It <laughs> just like completely <laughs> melts their brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I said in the Discord today that I think I'm going to get on a an Oppenheimer denier train just for just to zag, just to have fun with <laughs> that conspiracy. That's a good theory. bit. Um, I'm in yeah, on that one. Uh, I was wondering. Uh, all right, did yeah. did Brian? This is a question for you. Sure. Did did is this a real moment in the movie? Did did Indiana Jones, Forrest Gump? Hell no, we won't go. <laughs> was that what happened yeah you yeah did. it's a little bit of that yeah what that. there was a sign though in the back that said hell no we won't go so there was he just okay he just started the okay. chain he didn't he didn't invent right. it okay. it's not like okay. the uh, they were saying he invented- it's not like the smiley face t-shirt yeah, yeah. so he just stumbled into a parade started he said <laughs> a guy was holding on to him he said we won't go and then uh, somebody heard it and yeah gosh yeah. that's yeah. what it felt like that's that's in hindsight, that's I think that's the one that offends me the most. And Forrest Gump is this is the T-shirt. I hate, I, oof, I hate that. I hate it so much. And there's um, some, yeah that 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 there's no reason for that to be, <laughs> yeah to be a part of the, of the movie in, right. in any capacity. The um, line I loved the most in the movie. This is like the peak bad dialogue moment for me. Was what you've got here is Pandora's box. Mads Mikkelsen. No, it's my box. <laughs> like that moment with Spielberg would have worked. Sure. For me yeah. here, it was like, oh no, that was bad. <laughs> yeah. There, it's just a little, it's the dialogue is a little, a little rushed. It's a little rusty. It's just not quite, it doesn't click the way I do think. I mean, I said this uh, right after the movies, like I think it's missing. A, I, I think Mangold is an incredible director and Logan. I think you can make a case is the best superhero movie ever. And Ford v Ferrari is unbelievable, and he's made some other really good movies along the line. I don't know if Spielberg has like that Spielberg magic anymore because he also is an old man at this point. Um, it is missing he, just a touch he of has, that. Like 
weirdly, and I, you know, I like jokingly and the Spielberg hater on this because I'm not as high on a few movies as you guys, but obviously mm-hmm. I think he's great. But like, weirdly, zero box office pull anymore. Yeah, like yeah. for whatever. And yeah. I don't think that's necessarily like who indicative Spielberg. Spielberg. Yeah, not yeah. Indic- indicative of him, but like people don't go see director movie. Like not like oh, I like this director yeah. anymore. That is a right. thing. Like it is. Nolan and Peele are kind of the. I mean. Yeah. We'll see what happens with Greta, but yeah, I mean, we've talked previously. Nolan, one of the reasons why Nolan gets to do Oppenheimer, which I agree with you guys, I lean more towards this. Like forty million might be high. Um, oh, the reason he gets to do that is because he is sort of an industry unto sure. himself, and there are so few directors that have that that play. Yeah, anymore. you can still Spielberg and Scorsese and anybody. You know these these guys can can make the movie. Um, and it will get accolades and maybe awards yeah. and acclaim and everything. But yeah, you're, you're right. You get it's, it with Fableman. The property go, okay. is what sells. Yeah. Fableman's uh-huh. whatever. But like West Side right. Story was like an alarming, like, uh-oh. Yeah. You say that, but if he makes Ready Player One, two, that's going to bank. I that's don't so think many it will. kids, dude, favorite. I don't. Favorite. You don't I, think so? I no. I, not for what it would cost. Yeah. If he could make it for 50 million, sure. But like. Yeah. That thing's going to cost $250 million. I don't think any studio is going to sign up to do that, personally. Not yeah, $250 I, I probably million. Mean, no way. Yeah. It's going, the first one but cost? Like if like, this costs three twenty two. Like that's what that's going right. to cost. And like, yeah. that's no one's going to do that. Like he, he can't, he might. There's a thing where it like gets buzz. And first one costs 155 Okay. But like everything's up right now. Yeah. Right. Tell, right. Like, yeah. I'm just saying like, that's a $200 million movie. And I don't think any studio is writing that check right now for him. And yeah. it's not like, again, that's, I'm not taking a shot at him. I'm really not. I'm just saying no, like, but I mean, that's why Scorsese's doing uh apple or whatever. Right. Netflix. Those you movies, have to have these companies yeah. like subsidize yeah. you almost, which is for depressing sure. yep. unless you can like have like a great, honestly, it's like if ready player one, which is funny. Cause that's what the whole movie is, but it's like, if they could have a great <laughs> meme, then, sure. Yeah, maybe it makes like six hundred million, and it's fine. But like, that's so weird now. It's not. Yeah, that's what yeah. creates the momentum. Not that the greatest director, popcorn director ever, is making it. Like that just like right. doesn't matter. Yeah. No, I I agree. It's a it's a weird time. That, um, yeah, that one. Yeah, is uh interesting to see if they'll return to that IP at some point. I feel like yeah, that the second that one, book was pretty crappy. I, I don't know. That was I feel like a lot of a, kids had come around on to that one, like didn't see it in the theater and like yeah. saw it on TV. And it's like a, it's it's it still seems to be like the ultimate uh, fantasy for video game for culture. Sure. <laughs> but that. Kent, to that point though, like I think with the younger generation than us, I feel really old. I mean, when I'm talking 28 through 13, they didn't see it in theaters. They just saw it on TV or whatever, and they're more than happy to do that again. Yep. Yeah. So like, no, that's hundred percent. So yeah. why? You and know no TJ I mean? so, Miller this time. So you're right. But like, <laughs> how do you finance that without another model of some kind of VOD that works or something? They're just like every kid is just like, yeah, of course. No, I'll just see it on my Switch whenever that mm-hmm. happens. I don't mm-hmm. need to see it. Right. You know, like how do you? Yeah. So that's the problem. Which makes it even more incredible that the Mario Brothers movie made like. Yep. 100%. Like, I I can't, still can't believe it made like, I guess look when that weekend came, it's like, oh yeah, it made that much money. But even 
six months later, looking back, it's like, it made that much money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a, it yeah. seems like the industry has changed in six months to a point but where that was an like impossibility. Like, now it's not like, it's, uh, this might be, Kent, you might push back on this because you would know this better than me, but now it's no longer like making these movies that are successful in the box office. It's not like the logic of making a great record. It's now like ha- making whatever the weird mystery is of a top 40 hit. And like, Mm. if you can crack that, you can still make money at the box office, but like, it's much more tricky. Like there's no, like you don't know, like, Hey, if I just make something good, I know, I know what you mean. It's like it's the music industry now versus it was in the 1970s. Right. You know, you, you release a great, a great, uh, country rock album in the seventies. People would find it. Right. Be your fan, sure. but now it's like unless you have it's that. It's not hit. like Mario's a new ex- exciting thing, but something about that, yeah, like a weird, you know, like Baby Shark, just captured sure. everyone thirteen and under right for, for whatever everybody. reason. And like, yeah. I just don't know how you, and maybe you can, but like, how do you wrangle that to replicate it? Because like, that's sure. the problem right now is that you're right. That movie did great, and how do you, how do you replicate that for Ready Player One or for whatever? It's hard. I, it's, I sure. don't envy the people that are having to make those decisions because it seems so right. like up to these weird gods of social media or buzz or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, is, no, was this untouchable to you guys? Should they have done this? Yeah. I look, I, Last Crusade is a, is a perfect movie. Um, you could have said, that's the end of it. We're never going back again. You could also talk me into a multiverse reality where they came back and did another one in 93 and another one in 98 and another, and they just kept, they made it into a bond movie because, uh, the, the Ford Spielberg mix and really just this character so iconic. And those movies can be so much fun that, um, if you had an interesting archaeological story to work from, then you could keep you could keep doing them. Um, but I think after, and a, you, you one of y'all may have already kind of touched on this, but after the the hypothetical fourth movie, I think that there's a sense of just like, hey, we gotta we gotta end this right. Like we can't we can't let that be the when end something of this from thing. your movie becomes the indi- the movie version of Jump the Shark. You've got to write that wrong somehow, right? Yeah. I so. Yeah. I mean, and I, I mean, I think some of the impetus for doing the this fridge, was, by the I way, mean, the there day. was a story going around um, over the last couple weeks or months, whatever, of Ford essentially telling Spielberg, hey, if we're going to do this, we have to do it because I'm freaking old, man. Like, I've got to, right. I can't. It's not getting any younger. If you're going to do it, this. do it now, and, right? So I think that, and I think you've seen that too with, um, like I know Richard and we we talked a little bit uh, on on uh, the throwback episode about like kind of grumpy old man Harrison Ford, and you know your uh, your mileage may vary on on how much or how little you you like that bit. I think that this um, this press tour really showed that I think this is the thing he cares the most about of all of yeah. his movies and his characters. And he whatnot. has the most pride in it, this. Yeah. I think it really meant something to him to um to to try to go out on a high and uh and obviously the the you know Crystal Skull was not that. And so 
Brian, I think that's a great point, and I think he was really queued up to do that in even a bigger way, and it's a bummer that it's the writer's strike right now. Yeah, it's true. Because totally it's true. Just yeah, like, 100%. Okay, I didn't cool. even think about it's that. Like you're right. doing yeah. podcasts and stuff, but like, oh, yeah, obviously, the these talk shows and things awesome. have yeah. diminishing audiences. Or that's whatever, so but true. It's still, it, you know, he is a movie star. If he goes on to stuff, even, you know, if he does carpool karaoke or whatever, right? you know, right. that does... Does that get it from sixty to ninety? And that's like a big difference. Did you see weekend, maybe, the right? interview yeah, clip of be. him? Uh, it was like the end of the interview at the junket. Well, I think it was Entertainment Weekly, and there she was like, "All right, thank you for your time." And he was like, "All right, I guess the only thing left to do now is talk about our dogs. What kind of dog do you have?" <laughs> yeah, and he was like yeah, asking. Yeah. He was like, "Oh my god, yeah. it's so cute." It was like the most wholesome <laughs> thing I've ever man. seen yeah. a celebrity do. Yeah. It was so. Jenny was like, okay, now that the cameras are off, let's let me see your dog. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. what a what a freaking uh, American trick. Oh, that's so. I didn't even think about him not being on like Kimmel or anything like that. Yeah, and that exactly. is that's so true. And that's a big and that's a big thing for like middle America yeah. to like know this movie's sure. coming out. Like my mom sure. will watch the Tonight Show every night, right, or whatever it is, and. Yeah. That's like the biggest, that's one of the biggest reminders. Yeah. In, in like Mm -hmm. the regular society of, Hey, this thing's coming out and you should go see it. Right. With the, I guess with the older generation, who's not as hashtag online as we are. But that's like the key audience for you. Yes, exactly. That's the target audience for this. That's such a good point. So it's great. I didn't thought about that at all. Yeah. If only he could have done hot ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he can do it. They don't have writers, I think. Yeah, no, I know. Man, that would be pretty great. I think Sean uh, Evans does it all. Um, so maybe he's in, he's uh, you know, standing by his That's his, his by the way, that's my vote when Fallon flames out. Oh, that's Sean who, Evans, think, sign me up, dude. Yeah. Sean Evans, but it's just hot ones every night. Oh, oh, just, oh yeah, just do hot, <laughs> hot ones, the, the, var- the variety show, and have a musical yes, guest. Tonight yeah. <laughs> And he just slowly <laughs> wants to kill himself because he's like, he's on guest two, you know, the second lead on a Gossip Girl remake, and he's just having to hammer like a ghost pepper. That is the one bit I thought <laughs> would die like four years ago, and it's still it's going stronger. strong. And you know yeah. why? Is because of the guests they get. It's like, yeah, it's just they book great. It, yeah. yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, I'll watch Pedro Pascal do this. You know, it's like it, the, the timing of when they get the people is it's always the perfect. perfect amount of business to give those people to make it not a podcast. Yeah. Right. It's like, you don't want to give him too much to you're do. Gonna be there, you're going to be there for 25 minutes. Yeah. It's right. Like, and I heard him, he was actually on pardon my take of all things a couple weeks ago. And he said the key to their show. And he was like, it was a total accident. It reminds me of something we would have lucked into on a grander scale. Mm-hmm. He's like, we were broke and all we could have, when we started it, cause it was, you know, a food bog or whatever. And he's like, <laughs> so we had a black background and two cameras, you know, it's just like a black curtain and a table. And he's like, because of that, I can go to every Ritz Carlton in the U.S. and shoot an episode, and, yeah. and shoot an episode there. I just hang up a black curtain and put, it, you know, sit at a table and eat wings, and it looks like we're in a studio. And he's like, I can go to these people. And he's that like, is, total luck. God, it was awesome. not a purposeful choice. It was literally just that's because awesome. we had thirty dollars for the set. That's the way to. But, that's how you get anybody. Yeah, just yeah. Like, we'll come to he's you. Like, just let us know when you're doing your junket. Yeah. He's like, I just get an airline ticket. He's like, I have a bag with a black curtain in it. And yep. hot sauces, and I can just. Ooh, oh my gosh, dude! You're at the, the best. Chateau Marmont. Done. I'll be there in 20 minutes. Like, let's do it. And like, that's, that's genius. So yeah. funny. It's so that's so that's like the the best version of a makeshift like 
yeah. DIY talk show I've ever seen. Totally. And in complex. I always assumed, I always it, assumed, but. I mean, I was stupid. I watch a million of those. I always assumed they came to him, but no, he goes to them. Yeah. Which is I hilarious. think for a time they, they, they probably did. Yeah. But, uh, you've mentioned this, Brian, the, the, um, old angry Harrison Ford. Was, yeah. was this Indiana Jones to you stoic, heroic, or fumbling, bumbling? <laughs> because I, uh, yeah. first three, Indiana Jones, definitely stoic heroic. But mm-hmm. once Indiana Jones did the uh, the old celery trick, I was like, oh, he's fumbling, bumbling. <laughs> yeah, it was I, funny. Uh, you know, I had a moment, and I don't remember the exact moment in this movie, but there was a point where he's he's kind of getting outclassed by whatever's happening, and and he is a little stumbling, fumbling, bumbling. Um, and uh, there was a there was a one second my brain said, "What are we doing here? Like we got this is Indiana freaking Jones. Like, yeah, we gotta we gotta get." And then the other part, and then immediately the other side of my brain said, "He's eighty, he's eighty, and he's not a superhero, and it's okay." Yeah. Not only is it okay, I think actually I'm pro him not having all the physical answers to this thing. Like, I mean, really, this comes down to him having the 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 intelligent answer like the brain to like figure out oh this you know this the archimedes di- didn't work got, we're not going who back has chewing gum then we're going yeah exactly <laughs> it was it was a little mcgrubery i was such, like do you have but, a minor uh, in chemistry also <laughs> but i dug that i i, I was <laughs> i had a moment of I, I this is not this is not my indiana jones and then immediately it was like right because he's 80 and like my like when i sit up for my desk after we're done recording like my hip is going to pop you know and i'm gonna creak and it's like i'm halfway to that so it, yeah he's not a superhero but at, so i i dig that is there a version of this movie where he's not in any stunts and indiana jones is just like the professor would that work like if they did another one of these but and it, and it had harrison ford but he was like not you know sure. in, in indiana jonesing all the time he was just yeah. The advisor. I, just, I think that I think that becomes passing the torch, and I don't want to pass the torch. With I want, I think I just want this to like. I'm actually, uh, I would be okay with some kind of a revival of like young Indiana Jones, like some yeah. version of that. I don't want pass the torch to Shia LaBeouf or Chris right. Pratt or what if Taron it was Egerton or young Indiana else. Jones and young Sheldon. <laughs> yeah, he just gets. <laughs> and young rock right he's just we, well we watched the flash and we thought what this character needs is that's what we use the time travel spectrum. for it's a multiverse yeah. where it's just right. young <laughs> yeah young sheldon young indiana jones young rock and young jeezy and we are just solving crime thoughts yeah. bazinga <laughs> we got yeah. a strike while there it's hot <laughs> Young Sheldon's only going to be young for another like 14 and a half weeks. Right, right. We get to teenage Sheldon. It's going to be rough. Um, the hormones. Um, let's, I I don't know what else you've got, Kent, but I, I want to make sure we talk about the, the ending and kind of the send off for this character. Um, I thought that the, the whole thing of him, like I want to stay in the past moving into 
I I, I really I laughed quite. A, I thought it was really funny to have her just punch him and knock him out. I thought that was a good yeah. that was a good bit. Um, but to move from that to he wakes up back in 1969 and and then has Marion and and Sala come back in and everything. Um, I nice. I found that very moving. I was I was I was prepared for Marion to come back at the end of this. Um, the way it happened, I don't know if it necessarily took me by surprise. I, I had, this is similar to my experience with the Fablemans of like not being able to separate what is this movie and what is this career that has mattered so much to me over my, oh, you know, over my life. It was similar here where it's like, I had, I felt like I was having like, like a midlife crisis almost of this is the last time I'm going to see this character on screen. Yeah. And this is, this is a Mount Rushmore character uh, for, for my life. And he's not going to be doing this anymore. And moreover, the man is 80 years old and, you know, I, hopefully we have, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 more years of Harrison Ford continuing to do Harrison Ford things and being on screen. But we don't, you know, we don't know that. And, um, and then also, like, I mean, I had a huge crush on Karen Allen when I was when I was twelve, ten or twelve or whatever, and I love her. I think she's just so charismatic and and wonderful. And so, like, having all of these things happen on screen and these themes taking place, mixed with my own somewhat some nostalgia and some just emotion for these characters and these people and stuff, it was a very, it was a very touching and. Um, kind of bittersweet ending for me but I, I i don't know if i'm in the the minority on that or if you guys felt any of that as well yeah i thought the ending the setup was fantastic as soon as they get in like the the cave dionysus cave right and mm-hmm. that started to feel like okay this is indiana jones again this feels like i'm back in raiders once they find the the tomb and they see the the eagle with the propeller and they open the thing and he's got the watch on. I'm like, where's this going? And the setup and payoff of those two moments, I thought was eh, goosebump worthy, you know, like to have mm-hmm. them crash the plane and Archimedes find the watch. Like I thought the bringing that back around was, was very well done. Them going into back in time. I was like, okay, this is happening, but I I was like, I cannot wait for them to go back in time, you know? And mm-hmm. when they do, that shot of the plane coming through the clouds, I thought was really great. Yeah. The reveal of them, of what timeline they were in, where, the, you know, the Nazis think they're in World War II, and you see these ships firing at each other, and you're like, okay, they're in World War II. And then mm-hmm. it back, and then it yes. cuts back to Indy's reveal of this is ancient Rome is so yes. was so good, it's great, and really he, cool. and then that yeah. huge wide swooping shot of ancient Rome war, and you're like, oh my god, we are in it. Like you feel like yeah. you went back in time, and that was just sure. like, oh man, that was so good. I didn't think like if you told me that if, on paper like beforehand, oh they're gonna go back to ancient Rome. I'm like, there's no way in hell I will like that. Yes. Yes, <laughs> but same. the way they did same. it, I was like, yeah. "Dude, this is awesome! This somehow yeah. works." And I thought yeah, I was, that was thinking great. the exact same thing. I I think if you would have if you would have shown me this pitch, I don't think I would have been in on it. I think I'm like, guys, we gotta. I don't know about going back in time, y'all. Like, maybe we need to find something. <laughs> we gotta different. cast Rachel McAdams. But it worked. Yeah, it worked really well for me. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
She is in. Okay, now we're talking. Now we're talking. She actually was one of the Roman soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> I had to get it on her resume. She, yeah. she just showed up on set. They threw a, right. an outfit on her so she could put it on her mm-hmm. IMDb. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that I thought that was all was all great. And then yeah, Indy's emotion of like I've studied my whole life about this and now I'm witnessing mm. it. I want to be here. There was a moment where I was like, "Oh, he might stay. What if they yeah. leave him back and what's going to happen?" And mm-hmm. I was like, "Surely they can't do that." And then they didn't and yeah, you you go back to the future, so to speak, and mm-hmm. You're in an alternate timeline with Marion. I thought that was a great way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I loved it. I loved it. It kind of ended you're, quickly, you're, though, after that. It was like, boom. Yeah, over. sure. They didn't linger. Yeah, for sure. Richard, what about you? Where'd you how'd you? Uh, how'd that ending work for you? It worked for me. It, it felt um, sort of delayed and it felt like a, a little epilogue-y. Um, okay. But not to make me hate it, but sure. yeah, it had some a, a sniff of of epilogue to to it. The whole movie did, but uh, okay, and in parts. But that's probably because through no fault of this movie, it, it follows thirty years later a very seminal trilogy. So it's like sure. built to do that. So I understand that, and I uh, I accept it. So yeah, but I I thought it was I it worked for me fine. I was I found it. I was as much as I can be at this stage of my life to appropriately kind of touched and twinkled and, and moved mm-hmm. on. Okay. That's fair. I think that's fair. Um, I'm ready to grade this. Can't, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get out my of here? My last note I've been saying for the end. Yeah. Uh, two actually. One was the melting wax thing. That was an Indiana Jones moment. I was like, those, that was really cool. those are the moments I that I, yeah. I remember where yeah. it's just like, you think it's one thing and then Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones is it. And it's something completely different. Mm-hmm. I loved that. Yeah. And I did too. The, the, There's another moment or two too, where he, he kind of got that little, the little twinkle in yes. his eye. You know, he's, he's like, like, I know yes, this, you know, I've read about, about this. Yeah. That kind of thing uh-huh. is great. Yeah. And the, the last thing gotta say the John Williams cue on oh, when oh, he yeah. says, on when he says it belongs in a museum. I mean, I almost started tearing mm-hmm. up. Like that is, yeah, last time. Oh man, that, that was great. And was, de- and they was didn't dead. overdo the indie indie theme too, which I thought would mm-hmm. they, could, they could maybe hammer home a little too hard. I thought they right yeah. just write them out. Yeah, agree, agree. Yeah, maybe the best movie score ever. Um, yeah, so one of my favorites, that Jurassic Park. <sighs> this this so that's one of the you know, uh, one's really John Williams story about how he wrote it is so good, where he's like. I came up with two themes, so instead of throwing one out, I just combined them into one song. So you had this right. one incredible, right. da, 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 <laughs> and then you had that, it's obviously the opening fanfare, da, 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 da. you know, it's like he just put both of them in that, was, man, what an incredible human Best. being. Just you know like one's great? Beethoven level, man, so good. The, uh, the Pirates one, which we're going to talk about in a throwback later. Sure. Yeah, I it is. Watched, I was like, man, this score is so good all the way it through. Is. It is. Yeah. I agree. I yeah, agree. good teaser for the throwback Pirates of yeah. the Caribbean this week. Similar kind of tonal. Mo- I, I remember watching that mm-hmm. in theaters and going, oh, this is as close as I'll ever be to seeing Indiana Jones in the theater, even though they're very mm-hmm. different. I felt tonally they were the, they were cousins. Yeah. 
good. All right, let's grade this thing. Uh, Richard, going to you first. Man, this is the honest to God. I will be sincere here for a moment. One of the harder grades mm. I've ever had to come up with um, in the what going on eleven years of doing this. Mm. Um, and we will, by the obviously retire in uh, fifty-eight years. <laughs> um, I'm gonna give this right down the middle a solid B. Okay. Uh, Kent? This is the best compliment I can give this film is that it's firmly in the top four Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> so I'm giving it a B plus. Okay. Um, for me, I'm kind of with you, Richard. It's kind of hard to... There's Again, some moments in this to, that are just spectacular, and then there's some moments. And then where it's you, like you, scuba indie, yeah. I'm like, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, like Uncharted um, version of yeah, <laughs> Uncharted. I, God, that but, was a movie. <laughs> but was the Coen Brothers, yeah, like, s- similar to Fable Wins, I'm just having a real hard time separating. It's like to I, I think to me the grade is better than the sum of its parts on in some ways because it just. It fits. It does. It does what I wanted this movie to do. It it sends off this incredible iconic character in the right way, and um, and it was just there's a part of me that just like it was just nice to see that on screen again and see. It. So I don't know. I'm gonna give it a. I'll go high. I'll give it an A. I'll just give it a straight A. I nice. think I could come down to an A minus, but I'll I'll go. I'll stick to my. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll go. I'm gonna a, call myself a, out on my joke. I was thinking I'm broken, not Uncharted. That Coen Brothers reference. <laughs> It's okay, um, but we all we all miss some, you know. Um, still, yeah. fantastic joke by me, but no, <laughs> it was, it was no. Oh. <laughs> okay, uh, all right, that's good. So this is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. We will see. Does not have strong competition at the box office this week, so I think it has yeah, a chance we, of winning. We've got Joyride second week. We, well, and, I don't know Insidious, man. That's the kind of weird. That's stuff. true. Forgot about Insidious. Could be. Um, I think this has pretty good word of mouth. Like I've talked to several yeah. people who, who saw it who I don't think were. I don't think are indie truthers, you know, and so, but they all really dug it and seem to have a good time with it. So hopefully, we'll see. We'll see what it, what it does. Uh, it deserves it to do better than it did. Yeah, because it's dead after that. Because then it's once yeah, once Mission Impossible, Impossible it's it's going to make Oppenheimer, like two million of yeah, it's weekend yeah, if that it's over. So. It's over at that point. So we'll see. All right, uh, before we get out of here, let's do a quick weekly weekly recommends Richard. What's your weekly recommend, my friend? I'm going to recommend a show I've recommended before, um, but just wrapped, and it's like the last season that probably matters. So if you haven't watched it live, actually, you know what? Mm, This is tough. I might change it. I was going to recommend. I'll do a dual recommend. I was going to say the season of Top Chef was great, but I finished The Bear. So we'll go all cooking. We'll just talk cooking. We'll go Top Chef for real, The Bear for fictional. I mean, have you finished season two yet, Brian? Haven't started The Bear yet. Uh, Probably. I won't spoil. I bet I will this weekend. It's all binge, right? Like it's all out? Yeah, it's all out. Have you seen anything? Like any, do you know any cameos or anything? I've avoided, I, there was something that popped up in my feed, and I was so I was so on it of like nope, and I got through it before I really re- okay like m- put it in my brain of who it was. So okay. so far I've avoided it, but I told Lindsay 
uh, my weekly recommend is going to be another TV show we ended up watching before the bear. But I told her as we were starting Nathan for you watch, I was like, yeah, I was like, we have to, no, we have to watch no. the bear soon because quickly, because I do not want this to get spoiled for me. Okay. Yeah. There's yeah. a cameo in there for like a whole episode that is going to, I so up okay. here in my alley that awesome. is like, <laughs> couldn't be better. So enjoy. Awesome. Sweet. See episode six or seven. I can't remember, but somewhere in there. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Like that. Good, good, yeah. uh, good. But the top chef season, Padma's leaving. Brian and I are mourning. It's a tough and, one for us. Yeah. It's a tough one for us, but uh, we'll see. She's so good. At, she's such a good host, and she's maybe the hottest woman ever. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a real. It's just unbelievable. The only person yeah. that's as hot as her is Tom Cleekio. So at least we still have that. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Good recommends. I've got maybe four episodes left of Top Chef. Um, I got I got bogged down. So did we. We started it late. That's why. I mean, I think that thing ended about a month ago. But I'm just yeah. We just finished it this week. So I know who won because it that Uh, it was too long to avoid that spoiler. Um, but uh, he's a freak, dude. He is. He's He's the best I've ever seen on there. I think he's only spoiled the sex of that person. But uh, (laughs) yeah, he might be my favorite contestant. Yeah, it's he's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Good recommends. I like that. I like that, Richard. Kent, what's your weekly recommend, my friend? I'm going to recommend a documentary that I watched on YouTube. So it should be easily accessible to the listener. I remembered this story. It was on Don Jr.'s page. (laughs) It's called Loose Change. (laughs) Go look it up. Uh, This is one that I remembered this story from like 10 years ago. I'm like, whatever happened to that? And I remembered somebody buying the movie rights, and I never, and obviously, movie hasn't come out about it. I was like, "What? What was that story?" So I, I looked for a documentary on it. Uh, do you guys remember the Barefoot Bandit? Uh, like kind the of, New, yeah. New Hampshire. Uh, it was north northwest, actually, like Washington. Okay. Uh, okay. Up uh, up uh, Canada way. That like broke into all the cabins yes. and stuff. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I do. So this uh-huh. this uh, documentary is called "The Legend of the Barefoot Bandit: A Teenage Fugitive on the Run." I can't believe this is not a movie. I mean, <laughs> this would be the perfect Steven Spielberg "Catch Me If You Can" style. Uh, I don't know. It it's it's an incredible story. Um, it's got all the elements you want: the emotion, the the you know, obviously the thrills. And this documentary is really well done, though. It's got a lot of animation, and the animation is really well done in it to kind of tell the story. So definitely check out this documentary if you want to know more about the story. But I just can't believe it. Apparently, 20th Century Fox bought the rights to the book in 2012. So there's a hmm. chance that it's sitting in Disney's IP, and they have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so... I don't know. I just, I think this movie, you get, you get the right, like young star in the lead. Mm-hmm. This I'm telling you mm-hmm. could be like best picture. Ezra Miller, maybe like level. an Ezra Miller. Type. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Okay. But this yeah. would have been like the perfect Shia 2011, like nice, you know, movie. Okay. Um, my gosh. Uh, you guys check this out. Legend of the Barefoot Bandit. Sweet. You'll like it. True crime. Sweet. All that kind of stuff. I read a book a few years ago, uh, called the strange i just looked up the stranger in the woods it's a it's that's what i was thinking of at first it's it it's mm-hmm. I, he's either new hampshire or maine but it's the same kind of thing so it wasn't a kid it was like it was like a dude who kind of i think i want to say he kind of 
busted out on the stock market and was like, all right, I'm done. Mm -hmm. And just moved into the woods and basically lived off of breaking into people's cabins and stuff during the winter and was there for, and was just became like kind of a local legend and eventually got caught and I think put in sort of jail. Um, but it was an interesting, interesting read. So cool. I like that. I'll check that out. It's like the Frank Uh, Abagnale story for real. Okay. Yeah. Apparently that guy was full of crap. (laughs) Sounds awesome. (laughs) Sounds awesome. I remember a little bit about the story. It's crazy. Okay. Uh, I'm going to recommend a TV show, uh, series that's on Netflix. It's called Muscles and Mayhem, an unauthorized story of American gladiators. Uh, Oh, yeah. Is that cool? Look, I'm sure it's total bull crap because it is all from. I need that nostalgia hit right now, dude. I need that serotonin. Yeah, dude. It's. uh, I I loved it, though. I mean, it was. Yeah, it was. uh, Most of those Netflix sports documentaries are so poorly. They're so. They so badly want to be 30 for 30, and they're just. It's like. There's no, there's no concept of is this is what this person's saying is it true or not you know they just kind of run with everything but uh, this one felt like it was relatively safe on that front but uh, yeah they like it's nitro and laser and ice and uh, storm and zap mm, and a few others and it's awesome man it's 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 five episodes I know you're a gladiators they, guy. This is where we yeah. kind of meet because Kent and I yeah. like wrestling and you hate wrestling. Right. I mean, we yeah. don't like wrestling. Because Gladiator's real, bro. Um, yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> but, watch wrestling once a year, but but you shame yeah. us. And I didn't really imagine, Brian. I remember being dunked I, on so I can't hard believe by my mom one of our best friends <laughs> of the pod is literally writing the storylines of wrestling and Brian's still not in. Yeah. It's like, imagine yeah, if Richard was, yeah. was, was doing it and you're like, no, nah, not for me. No, nah, yeah. not interested. Imagine wrestling as a, I'm as holding a giant the line. Movie. If I have a bit, I am holding a giant, a, a one long movie that's that. lasted 30 years and you see <laughs> one scene a week for three hours. Right. That's, that's, that's to me wrestling. Oh, sorry. 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 So good. Um, that is, that's so funny. They brought back American gladiators. They have. Uh, yeah. And it yeah. flopped hard. Like Arnold hosted it, it I think. Did. And I can't remember. I it was gone before I even like. Yes, it was. It, go- it was like canceled before anyone even knew it came back. And yeah. I see. I saw. Yeah, so much nostalgia going around for this uh, series and stuff. Like they should bring back yeah. American Gladiators. Like they did, and no one cared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it the Rock terrible. tried to do this too yeah. with like some. Remember, it was like <laughs> Army Games or what was it? I don't know. Some kind of. It was- Spin 2008, on this. and it was hosted by Hulk Hogan and Layla Ali. Hulk Hogan. I thought it was Arnold. My <laughs> Layla bad. Layla Ali, wow. Yeah. Arnold could probably bring okay. it back. Yeah, let's do it. Good. We're in the middle of a little a little turn towards an Arnold assance. My favorite yeah. thing in Dodgeball is yeah. uh, Blade, Laser, and Blazer. I thought we're taken straight <laughs> from American Gladiators. Yeah. It's uh, it's really fun. It's like I said, five episodes. It moves pretty quick. There's they're relatively short episodes too. You know, it's like thirty eight, thirty five, thirty eight minutes, something like that. Um, so you can blow through them pretty quick. I was they good, but it had nothing from... on Global Guts with Mike O'Malley. <laughs> the yeah. ultimate. That's what we do. We bring series. back. We bring back Global American Guts Gladiator. with Mike O'Malley. Yeah. No, we bring back American Gladiators <laughs> with, with Mike O'Malley. With oh, Mike O'Malley. Can you imagine the nostalgia <laughs> hit that would be for our generation? And then they f- they climb the aggro crag at the end. Yes. <laughs> now you're freaking talking, Richard. Dude, the ultimate matchup. American guts. 
Yeah, exactly. There we go. There we go. <laughs> right. Okay, stop talking. That one, but stop I won't. Talking. Don't, Dude, that don't is the pitch of stuff. the century right there for for TV. For yeah. <laughs> this belongs to us. American. You can't take it. Nobody can take you know this. What's no weird is that, you know, we don't see enough of those trophies out there. We got, you know? Can I feel like you <laughs> yes. they pop, Seriously. They pop up on yes. eBay. They pop up on oh, eBay. I'm not joking. Yeah, they do. But they're... I don't know how you um, would see that. At like most of them, like the yeah. the light doesn't work in, anymore. They're like busted. But oh, yeah, they pop yeah. up every now and then. Man, wow! Uh, okay. Ultimate uh, child. Yeah, so I'm gonna start shopping for Christmas presents for you guys right now. I'm start. Can I promote one thing, Brian? Before we get out of here, yeah, please. Um, I have a document. I have a pod. <laughs> I have a pod documentary dropping on the 10th Monday. Yeah, you um, do. Pump that I've been working going. hard f- on for. I don't know couple months here since the season or the draft wrapped up uh it's uh, for the football nerds out there talking about the shanahan offense the nfl kyle shanahan the coach of the 49ers along with uh mike mcdaniel american treasure future american treasure mike mcdaniel uh sean McVay, <laughs> matt lafleur those guys are kind of the youngest most interesting offensive minds in the nfl right now and it's just about their dynamic they're all best friends together and now they're not and there's a lot of a lot of stuff there, so hope that if that interests you, you'll check it out. It's going to be on the Athletic Football Show podcast on Monday the tenth, or on the New York Times audio app if you have that and you're a subscriber to that. But check that out. Let me know if you dig it, and that's for the football nerds that might listen to the show. And we have a uh, possibly have a Netflix documentary coming soon that I can maybe say. So yeah, nice. look forward to that. Nice, awesome. Love that. Very cool. All right. Uh, this has been fun. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to us talk about Indiana Jones 4 as we close out this the chapter uh, of of this iconic character, this great series. It's been a lot of fun talking with, it, uh, with you boys about it. If you like what you heard, if you want more Mad About Movies, if you would maybe potentially like to hear us talk in depth about the previous trilogy, uh, in this this series, I want you to go to madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. Sign up for that VIP feed. It's five bucks a month. You get access to a throwback or retrospective episode every single week, plus literally hundreds of episodes in our back catalog now, uh, as well as a whole bunch of other goodies, including access to our exclusive Discord, where you can talk about movies and music and dogs and everything that you're little brain can imagine all day long with other man fan members just like you mad about movies podcast.com slash vip check that out back next week i don't really know what we're gonna do next week we'll kind of play it by ear maybe a big news episode if you go to that vip feed you're gonna get that pirates of the caribbean episode that's uh that richard mentioned earlier lots of fun stuff happening over there so check that out thanks for being here thanks for listening stay safe and we'll see you at the cinema goodbye hey baby i hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs and maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. The salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.